yeah, good morning. Um, we are thankful that Elsie um, could be with us this morning as well. This table is actually too low for me for once. There we go. How about that? Okay, so uh, good morning. If I don't know you, my name is Pastor Luke. I'm glad you are here. Pastor Mark is on vacation, um, enjoying some sun and uh, good weather, hopefully in Kelowna. So we are continuing in our new series. It is called 316, and we talked about as we explore different passages of what uh, different books of the Bible in that 316 verse. It's interesting as we are going through and we are talking about it as a staff. When you turn to different 316 passages, you find all sorts of nuggets of wisdom. And so uh, I'm excited to share one with you this morning. So our theme this morning is be encouraged, our hope in Christ. Uh, we will look at 1 Peter 3, 8, uh, starting in verse 8 this morning. But let's talk about the basics. So if you don't know much about the book of 1 Peter, it was written by Peter, as it is titled. Uh, it was written to persecuted Gentile Christians. So it was written to them in a time of persecution. They were living in what we would now consider probably northern Turkey. Uh, it was around the time of Nero's reign or just after it, depending on who you, who you read. Um, and, and part of that is important because the persecution is what Nero really started. And then from there, um, the understanding what the purpose is. It was in, Peter really wrote this to encourage suffering Christians. And really what it was is to encourage the suffering Christians in their faith. So it wasn't just suffering, it was actually being persecuted or struggling with your faith and dealing with your faith as you walked through that because someone else was oppressing you or opposing your faith. You know, and he really wants you to understand that as Christians, you have an eternal destination and that that hope rests in heaven with Jesus. So this morning, we're going to talk about kind of three relationships that happen in First Peter. The first one is Christian to Christian. The second one is Christian to the outside world, along with being your other brothers and sisters in Christ. And second is being encouraged in suffering or persecution for the hope you have in Christ. So this morning, if you'd open your Bibles to First uh, Peter 3, 8, uh, and we'll go to verse 12 in this first section. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab the Pew Bible in the pew in front of you and turn to page 982. Also, if you want a Bible to take home, take the Pew Bible home with you. We would love to give you as that a gift. Um, just to say you have a copy of God's word in your home. So we'll start in verse 8, and it says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life sees good days, must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So as we talk about that first verse in verse 8, it really is Christian to Christian. So how should you relate to your brother and sister in Christ? The idea is to be like-minded, to be of one accord in Christ, to seek that harmony between one another, to be sympathetic as you might walk through a tough situation with someone, to love one another. We are all different, but we share this commonality in Christ. 
Be compassionate, be unselfish, be humble, not prideful, not self-centered. Think of others first. And you might read this list of things and say, okay, I can do some of those, but what about our differences? We have differences of opinion. We have things that we don't agree on. Well, we use these as a guide so that we're still in unity in one another. We learn to agree to disagree. For instance, Ryan and I might disagree about the fact that the flames are better than the Oilers. I know. One cup, I know. We might disagree that a president is better than a prime minister or vice versa. Or we might wait to see which personality is better. I don't know. For Ryan and Brenda, they disagree on whether the riders are better than the Eskimos. Brenda's laughing. She's the only one. Um, for those rider fans who are long-suffering, right? Um, but we have unity. Have we come to a place, church, where we can't agree to disagree? We might have differences of opinion, and we may not agree on everything. But we have unity in Christ. We may just have to say, can we agree to disagree? We see in the world today that we can't even do that. People want to associate with only their people that are like them, 100%. We believe in these things or we are, you know, political spectrum, whatever it might be. We can't cross lines. We can't even have a discussion anymore. But as believers, you can do this. You have a unity that Christ brings you together. And you may just have to say to one another, we don't agree on this, but you still can be friends and relationships and brothers and sisters in Christ. Our second point this morning is relating to the outside world and what that looks like. How should Christians deal with a hostile society? Our world is increasingly changing, would we agree? Yes. So it's increasingly changing. I was reading uh, Faith Today magazine uh, the other day, the new one that just came out, and Angus Reid reports on the topic of marriage. So I thought these would be interesting for you. 53% of Canadians no longer think it's necessary or important for couples who plan to have a life together to get married. 46% of Canadians agree that marriage is only as relevant as it's ever been. It no longer is necessarily relevant. So you have 64 people who don't consider marriage important. So for us as believers, that's, that's a big step. That's a big change. There are many other world-changing things that are happening that we see. But how do we relate to it? Well, Peter tells us in the text in verse 9, love life. This is a choice we make to love life, to see the good days. Your witness, your example, your love of life is the hope in Jesus that you show the outside world. Do you wake up each day thankful and loving your life? So that someone who you might come across their path or that coworker at work might say, you just seem like you like life, like life is okay for you. Yeah, you might have struggles and there might be times there's joyful moments and sorrowful moments, but altogether, as I've watched you, you just love life. You make that choice. The next one Peter really talks to us about is controlling our tongues. Does anyone else agree this can get us in trouble? How about men? Your wives? 
You know, I was thinking about this um, before we get there. Warren Wearsby wrote that uh, many of the problems in life are caused by the wrong words spoken in the wrong spirit. How many times does that happen? And Psalm 141 tells us in verse 3, to set a guard over my mouth. Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. There are just times we might not, we might not or should not open our mouths. Like I'm still in the conundrum as a husband. If my wife asks me if I look good in this, do I, what do you say? If you say yes, then she says, you're lying. And if you say no, then you're really in trouble. So you just keep your mouth shut. Right? I don't know. There are all times when we have said something we shouldn't, maybe even talked about something that wasn't ours to share. But Peter, uh, Peter is telling us to control our tongue. In the book of James, we see how a tongue can hurt. So our words can sometimes be careless. I've realized this recently that, uh, so when I get frustrated, like putting something from Ikea together, which is not my strong suit, by the way, and those holes are never perfectly lined up. Um, I normally call things stupid. I'm like, this is a stupid cabinet. I can't believe who would build this, and things like that. Well, lately, my three-year-old has decided to think everything's stupid. So now I've been careless with my words, and now it's coming back on me because this corn is stupid that I'm not eating on my plate, or, you know... Whatever, this toy is stupid. I didn't control my tongue, so now I'm having to teach my three-year-old that that might not be the best choice of words, especially when you say it to your brother and you just use it as an adjective in lots of sentences, right? Um, and even our words, if we think about this, I don't know if this still is said, but I remember when I was a kid, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Do we still say that? Or am I really old? Okay, I'm old. Brian says I'm old. So, oh, Phil still says it, okay. But the truth is, is that words do, right? There are people who walk into counseling offices every single day with a core injury because of something somebody said. So our tongues do hurt. It's important for us to use words that lift up and encourage when appropriate. Like, I'm not just saying you should go around and tell everybody they're great and whatever and they did a great job or if, if that's not true. But you should use some encouraging words, right? And watch what you kind of say. Maybe, maybe as a way to witness you uh, error at work and you're able to notice something in a coworker and say, hey, that was very nice of you, or that was very thankful, or whatever it might be. Uh, my son Jackson uh, goes to MCS, and so they get these character awards each year, and this year he got the character award for honorable, which made me think of this, because how many times have I ever probably told anybody, you know, that was an honorable thing for you to do. So may we use our words and be encouraging with them and not always negative with them, and watch what we say. Third, we must, be do, we must do good. As Christians, we can live on one of three levels. We can return evil for good, 
which would be very, like, satanic, which we won't do. We can return good for good or evil for evil, which is really just our human nature, right? You did something good for me. I have a special place in your heart for you. Then I'll do something nice for you. We're friends, whatever. You did something evil to me. I am going to do something back to you. We should do this eye for an eye thing. Or we can return good for evil. So if something bad happens or somebody does something to you, you return good instead, which is the divine level. It's Jesus' perfect example we have, right, on the cross for us. So how do we do good? Warren Wiersbe kind of gives us a guide in this. We must always be reminded of our calling as Christians. For this, for this is, will help us love our enemies, do good when they treat us badly. We are called to inherit a blessing. Persecutors, we experience, persecutions we experience on earth today only add to the blessed inheritance that we get someday. Do we think about that as Christians? When something's not going right or something's, you're struggling with something or something, somebody said something bad to you, do you think of that glorious day in heaven someday, that inheritance? But we also will inherit a blessing when we treat our enemies with love and mercy. Show kindness in the face of trial. I wrote this down. I thought about this um, Say you have a coworker you just don't get along with. You guys don't see eye to eye. Maybe they happen not to be a believer. Um, hopefully you at least get along if you're believers. Um, but you don't like them. So say they, some, they come to you and they throw reports on your desk and say, these are not correct and whatever, and they say a bunch of words that are inappropriate. What happens if you went home and baked them a loaf of banana bread and then brought it the next day? They might throw it at you, but... The idea there is that you're returning some good. You know, in that time of whatever, you're showing some kindness, right? Number four is seek after God and be peaceful and live in harmony. Our purpose as followers of Christ, we serve the same God. We are to show love to each other as Christians, but to the outside world as well not be held by our own selfish interests, but instead seek God in harmony with one another. We Christians, we should be the first ones to get along, right? We should be the ones that agree to disagree as we talked about. Unfortunately, the outside world often sees too much of the infighting. We've seen this in churches and ministries across the nation, right? We see scandal happen. We see infighting happen. We should be the ones to show to them. They might come to us and say, wow, look how they seek after God and live in peaceful harmony. It might be hard to control your tongue sometime. There might be something, maybe you're sitting in a meeting or sitting in a class or something, and man, you just really want to say something. Maybe that's not the right time. Or somebody makes a comment to you, and you just want to whip off a zinger. Some people are really good at these, by the way. Um, I've always been the person that thinks of it like seven hours later. I'm like, I could have said that. But see, that's good. That's helping me control my tongue. Um, at times, it's even hard to be harmonious. But as the passage continued, God is listening. He is our hope. He is our encouragement. 
God knows your prayers through it all and through all your relationships. So how do you deal with this? How do we get to the point where we're encouraged a little more, where we encourage through some suffering? Well, Peter picks up in verse 13. If you'll read with me, and uh, we'll talk about that. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Christian, no one can harm you and take that hope, that eternal hope from you, your life with Jesus. It's temporary here. In 15, it says, But in your hearts, Christ is Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have. And this is where verse 16 comes in. But do this with gentleness and respect. 16, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak malicely, malicely against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if, God's will, if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. We live in a world where suffering isn't something that we want to do. You know, it might not be the persecution we see, whether it's in the 1040 window or something, but it's just something we don't like things that are uncomfortable. We like to avoid them. Or we want to fight back, right? We want to say those words, do those things that aren't of God. But instead we see a different picture in Scripture. But there's a problem here that you might identify. Even if you are loving life, you're doing good, you're controlling your tongue, the world may not care. Do you understand? Like, the world may not care that you're doing those things. You might suffer. You might suffer in a job loss, for example. You decide that, you know what, morally it is wrong for me to sign this piece of paper and approve this thing that is not correct. Or you know what, I decided that it's time to make sure I have time with my family, so yeah, I'm turning down that job promotion. And that might feel like suffering. But remember in the Bible when Joseph in Potiphar's house, he refused to sin, he was falsely accused, and he was put in jail. Maybe you're a missionary in the 1040 window, right? And it really comes down to persecution that you decide, they find out what you're doing, it may mean death for you. But ultimately, remember, there's, that's a, there's life in Jesus. Maybe it's an outside, you're outside the group. You know, whether it's at work, at school, even in your neighborhood, right? Um, in our neighborhood, there's a, we call them the scooter gang. They're about know, six or seven kids if they all get together. And they scooter around our cul-de-sac, right? But some days, kids don't like each other, Right? And so the scooter gang drops down or someone's left out or whatever. This, this happens in your faith as well, right? Maybe you feel ostracized to your faith, and that's just a suffering you may go through. Ultimately, we think about Jesus, right? His life on earth, he showed people their sin and their hearts and their actions towards him, and they still crucified him for it, right? Right? Jesus was fully man and fully God. Comprehend that. Fully man, fully God. 
And then he was put on a cross for his persecution, right? But then in Luke 23, 34, he does this amazing thing, which is an amazing model for us, you know. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Instead of retaliating, instead of saying things that he, he could have said as a man, probably not, he wouldn't say them as God, obviously, but he forgave them, right? He asked for forgiveness for them. There will be victory if you feel like you're in this suffering point, but it is from God. And it might not be today, because in each of us, we have this sense of justice, right? We want, yes, we want that to happen, right? I, I was reading a story, and it even said, you know, we, we get riled up when someone should have been convicted of a crime and they got off for some technicality. Or somebody did something wrong to us and we just, oh, it just burns in us, right? But the victory is from Jesus. The justice you are seeking might not come today, but it will on God's judgment day. But we leave God to fight that battle, right? Verse 14 tells us, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear the threats and do not be frightened. You're not fearing and threatened because you know where you're going, right? And in verse 15, we move on to, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. Give a reason for the hope that you have. Believer today, do you, do you understand that hope that you have? Do you understand that that's Jesus it's not in the next thing that you do today or the next thing you buy or if you're like me and you want to celebrate putting an Ikea furniture together without losing parts. You know, it's in Jesus. And are you reminding yourself constantly of that? But then this preparation, right? Are you prepared to give an answer? And is that the answer you give? So if I was a coworker with you, and I came to you, and I said, you just seem very happy. You seem to love life. What is, what is it about you? Would you first go to Jesus, or would you say, oh, well, I got a beautiful wife and three kids, or, you know, I, you know, love golf, or whatever it might be, or do you put Jesus in that place? But when you do answer, you do have to remember in verse 15 the end, it says, do this with gentleness and respect. So do this with gentleness. Don't do this like shoving it down their throat, telling them you're better than them, all that kind of thing. And then in 16, which is kind of our key verse for today, is keeping a clear conscience. So deal with the things you need to deal with so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So that first part is really a caution, right? And the second part really is, think of it using your tongue wisely, right? For those who might come after you or say something against you, that your behavior is clear. And as we, as finally, as we kind of get to the end of this section, we really see that uh, 18 is focused on our Lord and Savior Christ. For Christ suffered once for sins, 
the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. This is that encouragement today, that hope that you have, that Jesus brought you to you and me. When I was praying yesterday, as I was kind of working through this a little bit, I couldn't get this out of my mind when I read this verse, the the parable of the lost sheep. And the idea that no matter where you run off to, God is coming after you. That he wants to bring you to God. Maybe you're not in the right space right now. Maybe you haven't accepted him. Maybe you've walked away from him. Maybe you just need an encouragement to get up in the day and say, I love life today. But that God is coming after you if you're the one, right? If you're kind of straying. God is waiting. You have hope in him. If you're a believer here today, how are you doing? How are your Christian to Christian relationships? How are those disagreements that you need to just say, we disagree on these things and that's okay? How are you relating to the outside world? Are you doing good? Would you be seen by the outside world as loving life, having that hope and encouragement in Jesus Christ? Are you encouraged in times of trial? Do you have that peace when something great happens or bad happens, right? Are you living for the next awesome thing? Are you living for Jesus? Where are you at today? Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never accepted him. Maybe you feel far from him, whatever it might be. God is chasing after you. God wants to be in this place with you. He wants you to accept him. Pastor Ryan or I would love to talk to you about it after service. Our prayer team would love to talk to you. Be encouraged if you're a believer here today that no matter what you're going through, God will walk through it with you, but you might suffer through it. And if you're not, someone who knows Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to a Savior that gives you that hope, that eternal hope that is only from him. If you bow your heads with me, we'll spend a few moments in prayer praising him, and our worship team will come up and lead us as well. Lord, we just thank you. We just love you. I just, we're just in awe of you, Lord, that you would chase after us, that you would bring us to a place where we can repent of the sin, of the things we've walked in, of the things we've done, the things we've said, that we can just come freely to you, Lord. Lord, we pray for uh, just your spirit to continue to indwell in us each day. May we wake up and just love life. May we remember the hope we have in you that no matter what happens, good or bad in this life, that we have you. And the eternal is better than now. The blessings that happen here are nothing compared to what we will spend when we spend an eternity with you. Lord, and if uh, somebody's here today and they, they're maybe struggling with their faith or they don't have faith and that's you today, we just pray for you. We pray that uh, you would find um, someone to talk to. We pray that uh, you would find someone to share the love of Jesus with you, that you can have that hope, Lord.
Father, may we just be excited each day for the hope we have in Jesus. Just give you all these things in Christ's name.